grumpy resting face. <coughs> Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. Another week. Watcher is a colloquial greeting in the south of England. Not not a nickname. I know. We had to make a clarification. I know. That's right. I'd been doing that for years and hadn't realised that almost nobody knew what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. It never crossed my mind at all. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a, a contraction from what watch you or something. I don't something know. Like that, yeah. Something Middle English. I don't know. I believe it comes from London. Probably. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. We need Stephen Fry or someone. Yes, yes. Melvin Bragg. A, a researcher. That would be nice. Just someone to actually verify that most of the stuff we're making up isn't actually cobblers. They don't come here for accuracy. <laughs> Truth. Good. Realism. Good. Yeah. So I've been hiking again. I know. Yeah, I thought because, you know, five days worth of back-to-back editing wasn't enough uh, for you, I thought I'd just casually throw out another half an hour's worth. You of... might be about to forward reference a joke, which I'm not sure has in, it, it been published yet. <laughs> but go ahead anyway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, um, yes, so I've been back about a month from my, my North Devon hiking. and I'm... Spoilers, he survives. I survive, yeah. Spoilers, there's a whole month of those videos coming. <laughs> And um, I was all restless and, and, and agitated, and so I thought, I, I think it was about like Thursday afternoon, and I thought, sod it, I'm going to go and do the South Downs Way. And so like sat there in the afternoon work, just looking at Google Maps and planning bus pickups and try, train timetables and stuff, and, 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 and gone. Yeah, so how's that for lack of preparation? Three days and, and a bag. And I'm just gone out there. I got a feeling I'm going to go completely native eventually. Yes, you are. Yeah. So the South Downs Way, um, that's the one that goes from Winchester across the South Downs to Eastbourne via Brighton. It's quite uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I figured I'm going I to spent do... a lot of time in my childhood on the South Downs. Yeah. Well, I figured I'm going to do it in winter because um, just for the Why variety. Not? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a relatively mild and, and tame route. I'm unlikely to get swept out to sea or, or killed off a mountain or something. Well, apart from the cliffs at the far end. Anyway, so I thought, okay, I can use that as <laughs> I can use that as a kind of um, just a keep in hand. You know, don't want to get all soft before May when I'm going to start doing yeah. the coast path again. So I've, I've got a bit of video and stuff for that as well for you to edit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the weather report? Uh, the weather report was a yellow warning for dangerous winds. Um, and so I, you decided to walk along the tops of, of really a load of hills. hills. Yeah, yeah. It was really awesome, though. I, 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 I'm not going to go on about it lots today, but I did survive. Spoilers. Um, uh, and it was really great. Just, just. I, got, I almost got physically picked up off the hill at one point. It was fantastic. It's <laughs> <laughs> like 50 mile an hour gusts. Well, there's usually people up on those hills doing stuff like parasending and using webbies. Not the... today, there wasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a load of mountain bikers, and they, they were all having trouble. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was fantastic just being out in the the raw elemental majesty and fury of of, of weather. Nice of, of Storm Brian. Yeah, Brian. So um, yes, I, I did that. That was good, and I, I I might just sort of keep doing that over the Saturdays and stuff. It's, it's, it's not a hard one, really. Well, it's is near. It? It's it's not too technically difficult compared to the north North Devon and what stuff. Was it a week? Well, yeah, hundred miles. So I could probably do that in about a week's worth, but I don't want to do it in one go because uh, I don't have to take time off work and actually do a camping and stuff. So the next thing you know, you're in Eastbourne and no one wants that. Well, well, I mean, the thing is, I can do that on a weekend. It's it's near enough to where I live that so I can bus and train it and get do it as a series yeah, actually, of day yeah. trips yeah. over normal weekends without having to make any special plans or go camping. So that's nice. How bad is the train back from Eastbourne? I don't know. Do you have to go by London. I don't know. I've done the near end first, so probably yeah, probably I'll have to think carefully about how the how the transport's going to work for for more 
distant parts of it. But anyway, so yeah, that's, I've been doing that. And playing games as well. Do you want to hear about some? Not really. It's the walking that's the most popular content on the channel. <laughs> I think I might be turning into a hiker. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to completely retool the whole concept thing here. Hiking and, and wargaming miniatures. It's a kind of strange hybrid yeah. podcast thing. We're just going to ditch the computer games entirely, are we? Why not? Everyone else is. <laughs> I have played some. Um, I'm going to talk about Warframe. Still, Again? Yeah, still playing. Well, it's interesting because Planes of Eidolon has dropped. This was the What's big... What's that about them? Well, this is the big um, open world planes? area. No, planes as in wide rolling planes. As in rains on. Yes. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen any weather. But yes, it's a large part of Earth, as it turns okay. out. Um, sort of high high prairie, scrubland sort of hills uh, with a bit of... Uh, I don't know. According to the map, it looks like it's somewhere in the Mediterranean. I don't know. Somewhere in North Africa. But then we're talking sort of t- millions of years in the future. Oh, so okay. It's all, okay. It could be anywhere, really. But yeah, there's a little pinpoint on the uh, thing. So you, you get this outpost place called Cetus, uh, and you, you land your little spaceship there and go off walking around. And that seems to follow the relay format, which is a kind of social hub orbit around other planets and you can see loads of other players in all their weird knobbly warframes with bright colours on all around there it's quite an interesting little village, there's lots of NPC villagers all going about their business it's, it feels like a quite a bustling sort of place which is quite nice and there's occasional spaceships landing in the background and stuff as well and giant, giant uh, transhuman super ruins in the in the distance all being dismantled and attacked and stuff with, with pickaxes and stuff, they're like scavenger almost post-apocalyptic feel to it scavenger culture living in the base of this ruin okay um there's a there's a whole load of, there's a new faction rep and grind of, of, of course. course yeah um there's about apparently there's another like 10 or 15 resources to grind and collect i mean the game in general has a fair i say fair reputation for being quite a grind fest in general but i haven't really noticed how it being that that painful because the basic gameplay is so much fun and i'm enjoying that at the moment but so yeah there's a whole load of new materials to go and collect there's a whole load of new rep and, and bounty missions out on the main planes so that's that's your sort of hub area you can talk to various people to get bounty missions which is essentially a kind of chain of three different tasks to go off and do out there in a row okay and these tasks involve going out onto the main plains area and that is the new bit that's the because i i sort of i didn't really know anything about warframe but i was seeing new they were making lots of noise and news about this planes of eidolon thing coming soon and it's now here you can have a look it is now soon yeah they've made it so that you get uh, funneled apparently you get funneled in there quite early on in your in your sort of leveling and so on you do the introductory uh, sort of chain of missions to learn you know, you know out of the, of the character creation and stuff and then during that you end up um, you end up sent to these planes to have a look around so you get to you brand new player now would get to see it relatively quickly it isn't huh. it isn't well it isn't it isn't I'm, you can go there and you can take part and you can go and have a look and wander around but they seem it's not scaling I mean it is an instance I haven't seen any other players out there so <laughs> in theory it, you should be able to see lots of other people out there doing their thing but I, I, every time I've gone out there it seems to be just me so I don't know in what sense it is the traditional MMO open world or what or whether I'm just playing at odd times or not, just not seeing people, but um, but yeah, very like, and it's a real liberation because most of normal Warframe gameplay takes place in a sort of series of very corridor-based missions. It's yeah. all room after room after corridor. You're all on a space station or an underground base or or uh, you know some sort of floating gas refinery in the in in Jupiter or whatever. So just standing on a hilltop and seeing wide 
vistas all around you. It almost has a feel of Fallout 3, that kind, oh, of, okay. that kind of distant nice. horizon. And you can see monster, you know, enemy patrols in, in the distance. And, of course, sniper rifle. Uh, d- during the, the dra- drop of this, uh, my, my sniper rifle got nerfed from 12 times scope to 8 times scopes. Uh. <laughs> Clearly they were having some problems <laughs> with uh, just being able to sort of... People <clears throat> not engaging with the content. Well, hit much further than anything could possibly realise that you were there or see. Probably even hitting stuff that hasn't loaded properly. Because normally you don't need 12 times scope in these bases because the, the corridors aren't that long. So, But no, I mean, going out there with a sniper rifle is very satisfying. I always quite enjoy picking off distant targets, but they do shoot back. I mean, I've been, I've been engaged with stuff on ridge tops like three, four, five hundred metres away, and you know, seeing, seeing you aggroing that far away and starting to pepper you with machine gun fire. So it can be quite a busy sort of place. I mean... They've got a sort of respawning, rolling respawn system going. I think I don't know if things just appear. I mean, sometimes they probably do, but what often happens is that dropships will fly over and, and parachute new troops out onto the map, so that you're constantly seeing things happening. It does feel like quite an interesting and busy sort of place. There's various uh, grenier bases on various hilltops around the place. They they act as kind of focal points for the various sorts of mission that you'll be sent out there to do. Um, <clears throat> and it's got a day-night cycle, which apparently is shared by everyone. It's not just you. Oh, okay. Um, and it's like twice the days, twice as long as the night. I don't know. Like I say, millions of years in the future. Weird Who knows spin. what's happened to the Earth? But, but. Um and when it goes to night cycle, a whole load of really super powerful alien creatures start appearing on the landscape and zooming around the place. And um, you can shoot—I I found out if you can shoot them, but they—if you kill them, they turn into a ghostly version of themselves, which then doesn't take any damage. So I think I'm probably missing a trick, something there. There's some special thing you got to do properly. And uh, every so often, you'll see these giant, sort of glowing tree monster type things stomping around the landscape as well, sort of part robot, part tree monsters. Yeah. And they—I think those are intended as group content. You know, you're supposed to get. A, get a gang out and go after them and I think they're to do with the very high end bounties one of the things I've been seeing on sort of various forums and reddit and whatever is um, the, the sort of complaint that it, it's I don't know if I'm just reading you know the, the sour end of the internet you have to take the it only all, end of the internet. You, you take you take it all with a pinch of salt but there's a general feeling that this this whole planes of idle thing hasn't really hit the spot because huh. it's interesting certainly from brand for a brand new player it's you know the whole game's brand new so you know yeah. you're not necessarily looking for anything different if if you're a veteran player apparently there's not much reason to go out there the the, the bounties give out certain sorts of high-end weaponry that are not that great apparently or I don't know it's like they've they, they, they've introduced it far too early in the progression because they want everyone to have a look, including brand new players. But most of the grind work is for collecting things that you're not going to need until right near the end anyway. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. It's hard to see what people are making of the whole thing. There's fishing. I've not found the fishing yet. I've seen there's... there's have a... you tried water? <laughs> yeah. Um... Does it need a special suit? I can't swim. No, I don't know. Well, if you go in the deep water, you're teleported back to the shore as if you were, <laughs> as if you'd fallen off a high <laughs> ledge. But the, well, you, there are, there's an NPC in the village who sells fishing spears, and I can probably buy one of those, but I haven't got enough spare cash for that yet. So. Uh, wow. <laughs> I know. How uh, expensive are these bits um, of wood? I, I can't a... remember if it was faction rank or, or money. I the little, the little 50,000 50, whatevers. 
Wow. Possibly credits. I tell you, I'm, I'm always burning all my credits by currently by building blueprint weapons and warframe components at the moment. So I just don't have that spare money. Um, I don't know if that fishing rod or no spears. It's all fishing spears, rather than your fishing rod. I believe that fishing with spears is illegal. I don't know. Well, it's you know the far distant future, so that's probably fine. So yeah, they have got fishing. There's some sort of mining thing apparently. I've no idea about that. But again, there's all new, weird new resources out there. I quite like the outdoors, but it's hard to see where it slots into the ongoing narrative adventure that is the sort of whole business of the Tenno and the the, the Grenier and the Corpus all going at it across the whole solar system and various uh, threats from the outside going on in the sort of story missions. And then you got and here's a bit of hillside. Okay, you know, it's, it's, I, there is a story bit that comes with it, and a new Warframe that comes with the whole package as well. This this Gara Warframe, which is all based on crystals as its sort of motif and theme, and the, you go out into you have to go out into the plains to find various bits and do various things and deal with ambushes to get the pieces for it. Apparently, so so yeah, it comes as a quite self-contained sort of package, I think, but, um, and it's interesting certainly. But I don't think i don't know everyone's sort of raving about oh yeah finally this you know what's essentially a four-player lobby shooter pve lobby shooter is suddenly going to be transformed into a traditional mmo and it got me thinking about well why do people really want another you know three thousand other people in their game at the same time as them all of those old questions sort of surfacing and people going oh it's gonna be brilliant it's gonna be like a proper mmo now no no, you don't want a proper (laughs) mmo really because the uh, best if you if you get exactly what you're asking for you're basically like what you've actually done there is is, uh add another 2999 competitors for your spawns and loot yep (laughs) i Remember the days? Oh, Northshire Abbey on a new war, new World of Warcraft server. Yeah, those kobolds' uh, lives are measured in seconds usually. Take a number. Yes, please. My turn. Please wait for the spawn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Random strangers in the MMO are nice. It's just nice to have a sense that there's stuff going on, and generally that sort of role is fulfilled by a, a thriving general chat. But even then, they tend to get turned off quite quickly when yeah. when one or two uh, prima donnas decide to seize the attention of everyone else. So you're left with gaming with friends, and most of these games do support that, including non MMOs that appear to appear or land game style stuffs whatever any game where you can form a small group and go four players or 12 players or eight players into an instance and do a thing together that's that's gaming with friends um you got group finders i suppose if you're determined to meet new new strangers but just the idea the, the, the it's a very old school old style aspiration from how MMOs originally were, something like Ultima Online, where you've got like thousands of sprites all stood around the court with Lord yeah. British putting in an appearance, and it's just pandemonium and chaos. I mean, who wants crowds on purpose? Anyway, anyway, so this all, this all, it, it does sort of add a new aspect to Warframe, but I just wonder. It's got that feel of of a sort of a new experimental feature that. <laughs> people say they wanted and are quite interested in, but not that fussed and will probably go away from quite quickly, go back to the One normal of those. thing. I don't know, I don't know. We'll see where see the state of it. They got apparently their their big long term plan is to add one of these on every planet. So obviously they've started with one on Earth to begin with. Yeah. And then sort of work it perhaps back into the into the level based progression a bit more uh, seamlessly. Because you go out into this zone and what they've done is it's not scaled to you. It's not like, you know, Oblivion or something, because it's apparently shareable with lots of other players. You can find 
levels one to 30 creatures in the zone depending how far out from the gates to yeah. the village you go so you know you can find areas where it's suitable for all gameplay styles but if you get sent too far away on your little bounty mission you suddenly find yourself stumbling into areas that are probably quite a bit bit heavy going especially when sort of very large numbers of machine gun and long-range gunnery type troops are, are suddenly on the scene and they they will they will start hosing you from a very long way away. And that's good. That's realistic. I mean, something like Fallout or any of these supposed open-world games, a lot of the creatures won't even notice you're there until you're within about 10 to 20 metres, yeah, despite you having seen them from a quarter of a mile away. <laughs> Some of them are apex predators, too. <laughs> yeah, super mutants and what have you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But no, I mean, that's they've interestingly not done that in this game at all. They, this stuff will aggro you from a very long way away, and you, suddenly, you just suddenly hear this rattle of machine gun fire and you have to be taken plinks on your shield and it's it's quite a challenge to find out where it's all coming from especially because they've gone with quite a sort of it's not not lush verdant it's it's quite dry scrubland but there's a lot of bushes and, and foliage and trees and things about the place which makes it quite hard to see compared to these the sort of traditional rectilinear corridors that you're yeah. used to playing in and, and and so much so much of warframe is about melee combat I mean, yes, you've got guns and you can use them, and that's all very fine. But Warframe's like the Excalibur, who's got sword specialization, or just every, any any melee type characters are going to have a bit of a trouble with this, unless you can also combine that with very high mobility. You can apparently launch your arc swing thing, the the the, the jetpack you use for some of the flying around space missions or underwater missions. Apparently, you can use those in there, but I haven't worked out how to do that. I think you need a Fresh F. You need a special thing from your guild's dojo. Oh. Is it a large catapult? Which you have to put yourself back on and let go. <laughs> um, well, there, there are geysers. Um, I've managed to find sort of jet up and jetting jetting water coming out of the ground. And if you stand on that, you get catapulted up quite high. But cool. You can't glide down again, which is a shame. You tend to just splat. You do the bullet glide sort of slow motion thing anyway. But, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's interesting. I'd be interested to see where they go with it. But it doesn't really impact on me a lot i suppose if i wanted the new warframe then i'd have to go out there and do a lot of stuff with yeah it. but i'm still you know chipping away at the early ones you get from farming early planet bosses at the moment so much more interested and fascinated with uh, the, the the quests the the main story line in there i've gotten up to neptune now and that's unlocked uh, a new uh, another qu- a question quest in there called the second dream and I don't really want to talk about it extensively because it's hugely spoilerific. Oh, but it does a massive... It's, it's about four or five chained missions where big, important things happen. And it suddenly reveals and explains so much of the inexplicability <laughs> about what's going on and what the hell is these Warframes all about anyway that you sort of come out the other end of it thinking, oh, and it's it, it, it was really satisfying as well. I was I'm coming out the end of it thinking, that was brilliant and I, I found myself welling up a bit during some of it as well it was it looked quite emotional it was really good really surprising as well because you're just thinking oh yeah lobby shooter just you know charging their space ninja wizards whatever hack hack slash slash uh, the shinies but to sort of see that kind of narrative it suddenly show up you know that far in i mean the story is a bit few and far between you know a lot of it is just go do the planets in the order the little pips yeah. show you on the star chart but every now and then you'll get a quest appear and suddenly something quite significant seems to happen as well there's another one coming up a bit further on called the war within which uh, i think probably is the third the main the third part of this main ongoing massive story 
and I've been really pleased and satisfied with it as well. Normally you just think, oh, yeah, whatever, a bit of, you know, generic, troperific hero fluff. But this was really interesting. It really sort of answered a lot of questions and everything sort of suddenly clicks together. And you think, oh, so it was really good. I really, imp- really liked that a lot. really appreciated it. But trouble is, you've got to get quite far into the game to get there. So <laughs> whether, whether, whether folks are going to stay the course to uh, have, have all this stuff explained. And so far, I, I got there. You know, I've, I surf around. I do quite a bit of research and stuff around. On this stuff, and so far there'd been an almost universal agreement amongst you know the community not to spoiler this thing because I had no idea what any of it was wow. before I got in there. And despite you know cruising various forums, people being and, nice, yeah, exactly. There's you know it's like everyone was so impressed with it that they wanted not to spoil it for anyone else. So that was really good. Um, yeah, I got the Rhino Warframe and the Frost Warframe. I'm sort of experimenting with both of those. I'm still falling back to the Excalibur Warframe for the serious stuff because it's just, well, for starters, I've learnt the game using it. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm at my most powerful and competent using that one with all the maxed out guns as well as sniper rifle and the the relevant sword. You use a different sort of sword depending on which types of enemies you're going for because of the damage type thing. But but yeah, it has to be a sword if you're going to use Excalibur because you've got the. Well, bonus. I don't ask how that works. Different sorts. Of, uh, so yeah, there's a radiation sword and an electric sword, and if you put the right kinds of mods in, they can do corrosive damage or, or, or toxic damage or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, radiation sword. Um, yes, it's a it's a strange place, the distant future. So, but I'm enjoying it a lot. So yeah, still going with it all. I think I've just about set another Warframe building. I've got managed to farm all the parts for it. This is the mag one. Apparently, has okay. all sorts of levitation and electromagnetic powers. So that'd be interesting. So um, yeah, I'm. I'm I, yeah, I don't know. I, they they are they do present as alternate classes, but you still get the same basic melee and gun battle gameplay, regardless of what Warframe you're using. So it's more of an accent than a completely different gameplay style. But it is it's interesting seeing how they 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 compare. And I got the start of the Octavia's Dream Quests line done. That's a sort of optional one that slots in halfway along. Uh, that's the one that eventually will lead to the Octavia. I was talking about the one with the sequencer where you program in oh, the yeah, music. Yeah. yeah. So I've started. I've I've done the quest that unlocks the farmable components for that. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. But the the quest, it's the mission itself. I don't mind spoiling that one. It's really good. It was basically so you you're finding these bits of this music scattered around the the solar system on these ancient musical instruments, and you need this music to prevent the corruption of one of the AI things that's helping you out by one of the the elder horrors from beyond. And um, the final section is you going inside the AI's mind into a simulation mode and fighting in there. But the, <laughs> what happens is the the actual bit you're fighting in is this is the sequencer. So suddenly you're on top of this sequencer, you know, and you're the size of one of the notes. And you're, it's a huge jumpy puzzle exercise shooting down incoming aircraft while you're trying to jump around on these notes to program. In three-dimensional space, using your own body, I like it. the sequence. Yeah, it was really good. I, it wasn't too difficult either. It was quite quite forgiving in terms of falling off the thing. But there was sort of aspects of Tron to it, and I just really enjoyed it. But yeah, you're you're literally building the music because I don't know if you've seen screenshots of, of the actual the, the UI for it. It's essentially a kind of wheel with an arrow with the, that, that rolls around um, with the sort of with the, the bit that plays it as it goes through. Yeah. 
so this level you in the level you're actually doing it on it's a giant disc of uh, blocks and each block is one of the notes and you need to jump on and then jump off and jump on to turn it on or off <laughs> and there's this giant sweeping arm going all the way around playing the notes as it goes over and if it hits you you get sort of knocked back and stunned so you have to jump over it as it sweeps round and meanwhile you're trying to deprogram discords that have been set up there and programming the correct notes that based on the markers it shows you you don't need any musical talent to be able to do it but it it's lucky. <laughs> you need to be quite good at jumping there. And I really enjoyed that one as well. So, um, yeah, really enjoying Warframe at the moment. There's, there's lots of interesting things going on there. And seeing a lot of these different Warframes still ahead of me. And many, I think after they got their main bulk of the game up and running and people playing it, I think when they start, beyond there, adding new Warframes tends to come with a new quest and a bit of a mechanic and a bit of a gimmick. And so there's the capacity now if you jump in there to un- unlock various different warframes in ways other than just fighting the boss at the end of each planet cool. and some of them are quite fascinating quite interesting i did enjoy the uh, the musical one quite a lot so yeah still going good i think i'll keep going there i've got yeah did i say i got some i got some platinum i gave them some money i bought some about fivers worth in got some platinum to unlock slots for warframes mm. so it seems fair uh, i'll just keep chipping away at that until i lose interest i expect but yeah quite a novel experience for me paying a free-to-play game <laughs> <laughs> i know i should do it more but i don't know i just have this i've gone into the whole free-to-play era with the sense that i'd paid my dues before yes. <laughs> then but but i suppose that's no way to maintain companies who make things i like so probably ought to get more involved yeah anyway over to you I'm going to talk about something that I realised during the week. All right. Uh, There I was, dealing with the fact that if you have certain Windows 10 things, then uh, it will constantly download updates to them at the most inconvenient time. Mm, Creators update or something, is that No, in this case it was Play Anywhere Games. Oh, right. Uh, More accurately, one of the Forza games, uh, which was updating, um, because... They're big, and it just wants to do these updates. I don't want to install Gears of War because it kept doing it as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, while I was doing it, I was poking through the Windows store. Do you know Windows has a store? Yeah, yeah. It's sometimes there's this green icon with a shopping bag on the desktop that you have to delete um, on, the, on the weird yeah. Metro menu because it keeps getting in the way. And, and apparently, in the times where it's updating Calculator a bizarre number of times for whatever reason... <laughs> That's there's continued development on calculator, and I don't know what they're doing. That's yeah. You'd think that would be a solved one-shot problem. Yeah. It does sums. It does mathematics. Tick. It shouldn't really require enable numbers pa- above a hundred. Continual <laughs> patching for like multiple hundreds of yeah. builds. Anyway, I discovered that yes. there's a lot more play anywhere games than other games that I've got unlocked on. Uh, the Windows Store than I thought because of the uh, 360 and uh, so what Xbox is this? One. You buy a game for an Xbox One and yeah. then you go to a place and register it and then no. you get a free no. version of it on Windows or nope, you just buy it yeah. and then it turns up on the Windows Store. Oh, okay. And what I did, I had a look and stuff like Timberweed Park. I didn't know that was uh, multi-platform in that way. Does that work through Steam purchases from no. Windows? No, it's only Windows Store. Yeah, yeah, but does it, it doesn't log your stuff. That no, you it, it doesn't touch Steam so at all. So, you, what, so presumably on PC you can buy it in the Windows Store and what, you'll get sent a free Xbox One copy of it? Well, no, it just it unlocks it on both. Or in this case, it had unlocked it on both for me. 
Okay. So I bought it on Xbox, yeah. and the PC version was just sitting there waiting for me to download. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, if you're buying it on an Xbox, you you're doing it through their store anyway. Yeah. And, and if you buy on PC, you're doing it through their store. And if you do it through the PC, you, oh, okay. With the same account because it's your Windows account. Oh, okay. So so by so it said play anywhere is a sort of fancy dandy name for yeah. basically yes, multiple platform. You can have it on each. Yeah. So I okay. I played for a bit of Thimbleweed Park on PC. Works with the mouse. Who knew? It's a Monkey Island clone. Of course it works with a mouse. Spiritual sequel. Spiritual successor. Yes, spiritual successor. Um, yes. yes. I reasons. would imagine it would work yeah, on Yeah, it worked PC. really well with a mouse. It does work well with a controller, but it was really good on PC as well. Yeah, yeah I, I was going to buy it on uh, Steam at some point because I thought I'd like to play it on, with a PC. And then I discovered I have it. So they've cunningly tricked you into using the Windows Store and, and knowing it now exists. Yeah. Mm. There's a Keflings game on there as well that apparently I had multi... <laughs> buy because for some reason i don't know and i had since, it on 360 in the windows store anyway why yeah. not have a look at these deals yeah oh yeah. no i didn't bother with that i just went to the uh, my <laughs> where's, library where's and everything that was stuff? available yeah. and then the massive list of uh applications which aren't available on this platform oh. which is all of the uh, xbox one stuff oh right okay so it's not hugely widespread then as presumably the game needs to have existed on the pc as well anyway yeah. but it has, to, it has to exist on the pc as a windows store version which is Slightly less That's, likely. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm, okay. Yeah, it all worked fine. Hmm. I don't actually have a problem with the Windows Store anymore. It just works apart from the fact you can't schedule downloads to be at a specific time Does that... or tell it to not use up all of your bandwidth while you're trying to watch a movie. So the Windows Store updating individual products, was that all bundled in with Windows Update? Yeah. Oh. Well, sort of, yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it could get a bit hectic if you've got a very large amount of games installed. Well, if, if you've got a, say, 100, 100 gig game, which mm. is then going to do a multi gig download for <laughs> a patch and decides to do it while, say, you're watching Netflix on a different computer, uh, yeah. and it just uses all your bandwidth because nothing's clever enough. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the one the one thing I like about the Steam way of doing it is that you can spot that that's happening and just shut Steam down. Yeah. <laughs> but Windows Update, it, especially with these modern versions of Windows where you don't really well, have you can much go, control you over can go it. Go into the Steam store and tell it to pause. Yes. Into the um, uh, into the Windows Store and tell it to pause, okay. and that will pause it. But you've got to know that it's going on in the first place. Well, yeah, it's, so it's all very often, behind the scenes Windows update nowadays, yeah. and it does tend to. It, it's like do it with itself. our Minecraft recordings. Very often, there's been a bit of a slowdown, and I've realised it was because Gears of War was updating <laughs> for reasons. Because apparently, that time on a Thursday night is when they do the update. Yeah, yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. I've got lots and lots of games I didn't know I had well, on PC. That's a nice courtesy, but I don't think it would drive my purchasing decisions. I, don't, I think I'd still well, buy in Steam rather than the Windows Store, because well, stars I don't really use. The reason Xbox. why I was doing it was I wanted to use... Uh, there's a couple of... Well, all of the last uh, Forza games work on PC, yeah. uh, as well as on Xbox. Yeah, I mean, for someone like you who's quite quite an involved console gamer, this is probably very yeah. good. Because so it means just, you just don't have to buy stuff twice as much. Yeah, it means, well, it means that, one, there's a PC version in that case, and two, that I can just sit down on my PC and play when I'm waiting for a video to render or something, which mm. is quite good. Yeah. So, yeah, I quite I approve of most of it, and I like the fact that I got games I didn't know I had on PC. Cool. Oh, that's excellent. Um, so I'm going to talk about Leak Dangerous. Uh, we're doing the Tuesday. It was Eagle Imperial Eagle Wing tonight, uh, last this week. <laughs> How much singing? Ah, oh, it was brilliant. Uh, we we were all basically so the Eagle is like uh, a fighter ship um, that's one uh, one step up from the newbie ship. It's not very good. It's not not well. It depends on what you do with it. The Imperial Eagle is a slightly tricked out version. Still not. You very got good. you got the Federation and the Empire in this game, and uh, the Imperial Eagle is the sort of. Uh, 
the the Empire's version of the normal eagle. It's slightly faster, but not as more quite not quite as manoeuvrable. Uh, it has a medium slot instead of three small slots, so a medium and two smalls instead of three smalls. So. Does it have the power to deal with that? Uh, I think it gets a bit hotter than yeah. uh, the other thing. but So we went and bought all the eagles, full A-grade stuff, because we're actually quite successful with all our community goaling and general gadding about. Most of them play a lot of the times, on, not on a Tuesday as well, have quite big bank balances and tend to fly around in anacondas and what have you. So we thought it might be just a fun thing to grab a, a really cheap, small, disposable fighter ship and uh, we'll, all, we'll all wing up and see how we do. We got, I think we got six people in the end, that was quite good. And we were there's a couple of us with different engine trails as well, so <laughs> that helps greatly. Um, so yeah, the Imperial Eagle's all white finish with uh, the neon, sort of blue neon underlighting, so that's quite yeah. good. Um, and yeah, I so I was going with twin beam lasers and a missile launcher in my medium. Okay. So, so I was sort of fin- helping finish stuff off. And we were basically just using sort of swarm and shoal tactics on, uh, I think we in- we went into the, 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 the sort of weakest, lowest uh, resource site, or it has, you know, the resource sites around ring planets, basically the small asteroid field, lots of people might mining lots of pirates come in and these are all npcs um lots of pirates interfering with them or and bounty hunters and stuff and we'd sort of decide to plunge in and try and claim some bounties and see what we can bring down um so yeah the normal research site i think there was one like <laughs> one cobra mark three turned up once in the 20 minutes we were there and we just totally hailed it to death so uh, yeah we were a bit overpowered because uh, we were all a grade gear and also quite a lot of us have been substantially engineering the uh, the bits and pieces in these e- these imperial eagles as well so um I think I still ended up with about a two hundred thousand rip, um, uh, two hundred thousand credit rebuy. So, um, yeah, so quite a lot of good good gear on the thing. But it's the, the, just seeing what can be done with the small ch- chassis. So we ended up in a hazardous resource site. That's Ooh. the most the most dangerous of the resource site places you can go. I mean, beyond, there are more dangerous things to be doing, like conflict zones and such like. But um, in terms of just sort of general basic PvP hunting down pirates and stuff, this was probably some of the hardest stuff. And we were fighting all sorts of stuff. It was crazy. We, we we were managing to sort of piranha our way onto uh, anacondas, and um, I think there was a python. Um, there's various various ships, federal drop ships. They were quite quite challenging because they they're manoeuvrable enough to give us a bit of hassle. The anacondas, which is like the biggest ship in the game, they were okay. They weren't so bad because they uh, they got a lot of turrets, but they they seemed to be distracted by us sort of dipping in and out, coming in and out, and so on. I mean, we had two wings sort of taking turns to try and go for the kill to get the bounty money off of it all but we were also helping each other whittle stuff down and with the anacondas there was we were having a fair bit of success going for subsystem targeting if you okay. just press y you keep tapping y you cycle through the components of the ship this is what you're supposed to do if you want if you need to go if you get like missions where you've got to liberate cargo from certain targets you don't want to blow them up well you can blow them up but if you shoot the cargo hatch enough it the cargo flies out so if you shoot top tip Tie it down. Mm. If you shoot the power plant, aim for the power plant, you can basically make your big target dead in the water if you kill the power plant. And often the power... Depending on the sort of weapon you're using, apparently cannons are very good for this. If you... um because it is literally a tiny square box appears on the target, on yeah. the reticle, and you have to keep hitting it in that tiny spot. Not, I think you might even need to hit it from the correct side of the ship as well. Um, so, yeah, that makes it a lot more challenging, particularly with fixed lasers, because you've really got to, got to aim. And that's something I want to try and improve is my you know fixed, fixed weapon aim. Um, and, yeah, if you keep wailing on the power plant, eventually the thing will just stop. It'll be dead. 
Uh, it will just stop firing back, stop stop flying. You can shoot out its its engines and it won't be able to move so much, or you can shoot out individual guns. That takes quite a long time, though. Or you can just, yeah, don't target a subsystem and just wail on it and blow it up, you know, in the traditional manner, yeah. hit, hit point-wise. As you do. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think the trick... We, we quite quickly developed the sort of bait-and-switch sort of taunting type thing going on, where we just take turns. Whoever whoever's actually it's actually firing at gets the hell out of Dodge or boot, boosts past it. I think with the uh, Imperial Eagle... I mean, Federal, the Federal Eagle is very much about out-turning and out-manoeuvring and quite nippy and uh, you know, just flying, ringing, run, running wings around it. With the, with the Imperial Eagle, it's, it's more of a jousting type of thing because you've got very fast afterburner and, and lateral strafing thrust but not quite so good at the turn so i found that what worked well to keep me alive was just after burn at the target and then just strafe slightly past it yeah so you just disappear from the other side and then it has to sort of turn and do a big loop to try and find you and by that time you're ready for another go but stuff like the anacondas the huge ships there um it was just a question of working out, oh, God, has it seen me? Is it, it's me, it's me, ah! And then just burning away whilst the other two members of the wing carry on <laughs> nailing it unopposed, you know. I mean, the anacondas are tricky because they have got turrets on all sides, and I, I'm pretty sure they are capable of hitting, shooting at multiple targets at once. It, it's not just... <laughs> I don't think they just, you know, it's a question of taunting it and then everyone else can act with impunity. But we were sort of doing all right. I mean, we typically got one or two kills and then we'd have to go back for repairs <laughs> for the nearest starbase and stuff. But we, I, think, I think we only lost one ship all night which was pretty impressive it was the vultures they were the nightmare so the vultures very sort of midway up the scale it's not a massive ship but it's not a small fighter either it's like very big sort of um quite hefty sort of gunship effectively i mean there's yeah, a federal gunship itself is a bit weaker and more easy to take out a bit more guns on it but the vultures just had so much shields and their hit points and one of the downsides of us as you know taking the stupid little comedy fighter ships is they don't have very much output dps no. in general no. they've all got small weapon brackets even the medium gun isn't great compared to i don't know, even the diamondback explorer which isn't really a combat ship i, I could I, I think that's got two medium weapon slots and two smalls something like that so yeah it's um it was really good though. There's, you know, just watching everyone swooping around with the, with the coloured coloured engine trails, and it, it had that real high high octane sort of Top Gun Spitfires type sort of feel to the whole thing going on. We were tr- I was trying to make sure, you know, trying we were trying to sort of fly in wings, but you know, keep close to each other, act as actual wingmen, so try, try and go in in some kind of formations, but that all fell apart pretty quickly. It was more of a sort of everyone just darting in and out as a sort of cloud rather than sort of going past in threes and whatever. It's, so we didn't quite get the red hour red hour display team <laughs> formations I was hoping for but uh, it was surprising we were surprisingly effective I got about a million's worth of bounties not bad well not bad considering the ships yeah exactly I mean yeah okay anyone can cash their way up and get into some kind of third lance or whatever and just go go sort of farming bounties but to do it in, in these tiny little ships working as a team you know the just the instinctual teamwork mechanics of it weren't necessarily I mean we were trying to sort of work consciously as, team, as a team but it, it's something that you just sort of end up dropping into a pattern because you can see on the little radar you've got the different coloured blobs yeah triangles means the guns are out squares means no guns out that's yep. fair enough then you've got the different colours purple means someone in your wings aggroed them but they haven't aggroed on you yet and then when you attack them they go they change from purple to red and the red ones yeah they look red fair enough but also they they flash red white red right red white 
you know, um, when they're actually shooting at you. So you can, t- you can, if you pay attention to the radar, you can see which which one. You know, presumably, you've only got one or two targets at a time, unless you're in a conflict zone, in which case things get pretty hairy. But so you can see of the red dot, red triangles that are there, which one is the one flashing red and white? Well, fly away from it, and then everyone else is attacking ones that don't have the, the yeah. red white. So that sort of works as a kind of you know unspoken tank and DPS type arrangement. There was we got no he- no healer in this game. I mean, no. there are certain engineered modifications you can do to some of the guns which make them heal friendlies when you hit them. Not sure how that works. Uh, it's science, I expect. Uh, but those are quite firing blue tack. Well, they're quite fiddly, and also I've I've, I've just had no luck or success in oh, i think in general people just don't have much luck or success in in games where healing requires targeting yeah where you've got to aim at the person you're going to heal i mean i think i remember tabula rasa had that kind of mechanic and it was a really hard work these injector guns which did lots of healing great but you know if, if the rest of your team aren't staying still you're having as much trouble as they're having hitting the enemy you know so and i think there's been various other games where that's been the way i mean there's a reason most normal mmos just you know it's f1 then mash the heal button you know so that it's an it's an always easy always targetable it won't miss it'll always hit the target because you've got enough going on balancing yeah. health bars as it is you don't <laughs> want to have to also be the best fighter pilot in the wing just to be able to get the healing done so yeah so it's, we were mostly just um soaking up the damage and bugging out for repairs at nearby star bases when needed so you know do, doing various sorties and stuff um yeah it was it was really good i really i, I like that as a, as a way to play you know we, we, but we'll park those eagles up we'll go back to our normal ships do other stuff but they'll be there they'll be ready and anytime we fancy a bit of a giggle we'll probably do something similar again uh you know just jump in them go to the nearest war or whatever and uh, sign up. We haven't tried a conflict site in these eagles yet. That's going to be crazy. Because conflict sites are basically where you've got about sort of 20 or so NPC ships split between two different factions having a fight between each other. And when you go in there, you declare for one side. And suddenly half of that radar goes red and half of it goes green. And it's if you know what you're doing and you're careful, you can survive in there. But it is a hell of a maelstrom. And if you get you get, <laughs> if you get in too close or, or declare too close to the middle of it, or a lot of them will all target at once and there's not much you can do about that even if you're in like super duper corvettes and anacondas and things you just have to get the hell out yeah. so they're quite tricky but um resource sites are better but then obviously they don't pay as well so but yeah it was really really good to just try that as an organized thing you know let's let's put aside our normal stuff and here's here's the uh <laughs> concept night you know that, that comedy comedy build eagles night it, these comedy nights are fun but, you know, they're very, you know, <laughs> because they're sort of so unusual and quirky and and also very disposable. I mean, you know, our rebuys were ranging from sort of half, you know, 50,000 to about 200, 300,000, depending on what, what bits and pieces we got in there. And we were all much more wealthy than that. So it just didn't matter at all if we were overstaying mm. our welcome on a particular sortie and getting blown up because it was all part of the fun of it. I mean, yeah, be cross, be cross if your anaconda gets blown up. That's a lot of work to replace. But <laughs> these, these eagles, you know, we were just basically spending money, really. And that's, that's the kind of liberation that comes with not having to grind your arse off. You know, you can suddenly just enjoy, just have the fun. You don't have, you're not, you're risk. Yeah, no risk, no reward. That's my favourite <laughs> way to do it. You know, I don't care if, if the pay is lousy. The, the point is that we don't, you know, we can just let rip and, and try dangerous things, try try arsing about. And if it all goes wrong, we've lost nothing. You know, you don't have to spend the next 15 weeks shuttling, shuttling yeah. food from one planet to another yeah, yeah. just to pay for it all. So, yeah. 
more games like that, I think. <laughs> I think I'm turning into a very casual game these days. Are. Yeah. So, yeah, that was good. We'll be doing that again. I don't know what's next. I think might be might, be, might try some trading stuff again. I think might be, might be, might do some of that. So we're sort of chipping away towards these various engineer unlocks, but beyond that, I don't see any particular goal. So well, we'll, the, we'll keep keep chipping away at it while the, it's fun. There's um, all of the new stuff they've announced going to come in. Yeah, new yeah, planets, new stuff. Yeah, there, yeah. There's a big old roadmap of lots of things to do. I quite like the sound of the fleet carrier type thing. Um, that's already in game, but that's not a, a standardised mechanic. As a sort of special case, to this canon interstellar group of players have got their own. Outpost. So it's effectively a star base that jumps between star systems on a schedule. And apparently, I think the idea is to be able to turn that into a, a more non-GM administered mechanic, yeah. so that anyone, any any guild squadrons is going to be a thing. That's going to be a sort of platoon, yeah, wing of wings. We'd like that. That would be good. That's way overdue, I'd say. At the moment, your group size is four, and you just have to sort of muddle through if you've got more players than that. And we do. You know, we have two or three wings on the go, and we just try and coordinate. But it ha- the you are essentially kill stealing from each other's wings, so we have to take, take do- turns in doing more damage than each other, it and it sort of weird works. That there's absolutely no organisational support in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it's it's a single player game that seems to have accidentally added a ton of multiplayer features. I think I think that's what's <laughs> happened there. They've they, they sort of built, they, yeah, like you, like you said, the, the the minimum viable product on launch was let's recreate Elite, but with modern technology, and they did. Elite was always only ever a single player game, but it's, then there's all this networking code that's largely magic. We think yeah. that is essentially peer to peer. Which seems to still somehow support about thirty odd players in a star, in a star system, but yeah, yeah, just just uh, you know, how about four wings connected together? Perhaps a bit of UI work to make that useful, um, and yeah, that way we wouldn't have to be sort of sharing kills and taking turns and whatever. We could all work together properly. And but then I suppose if you're going to have squadrons, you need some squadron level content. You need yeah, which that's a sort of starts to say raiding to me, which you know I don't know. I'm not sure what that even means in an elite dangerous context, but I don't want to see this big drive to more and more ridiculous boss dance fights and, and special gear at the end of it all because that ruins most MMOs, I think. Um, yeah, but I'd like the idea of a carrier, you know, some some base that we can move around the galaxy to the interesting places, which yeah. effectively is what this Canon Interstellar's Gnosis platform seems to do. So, when you logged out in it, where did you end up? Oh, it went to the, it went about two hundred light years out of the <laughs> bubble. So uh, <laughs> I was in my exploring ship with the fuel scoops. That was lucky, and I managed to fly back. It was going even further next, off to the Witch Head Nebula or something. Who knows where it is now? But. But yeah, it's quite interesting. Oh, where am I? Okay, right, I better start making my way back then. Mm-hmm. But I was right, because I managed to do some exploring survey stuff on the way back. It's like, it's like catching the train to the start of a long-distance hike <laughs> and, then, and then walking home, you know. Um, yeah, I'd like to see more of that. So I'd like to see some kind of mass transport between Colonia and uh, the main bubble. So you've got this Colonia concept, which is essentially it's about 30,000 light years. It's some ridiculous long... It takes a whole weekend for a kitted-out explorer ship to get out there. 
Uh, and there's a, like a little mini hub there of, of developing worlds with various star bases and worlds getting going on. Basically, just just a really distant outpost of humanity. And people, you know, take quite a lot of pride and and grit, you know, grim determination in shuttling to and from there as a kind of exploring rite of passage. I've never been nearly that far out. I've been about a thousand, maybe twelve hundred light years out myself. Mm. And but this is like sixty thousand light years away, something stupid like that. You've really got to keep going for it and use neutron star funnels to make mega jumps. And all sorts of crazy it'd be nice to have some kind of mass transit system i suppose if you're going to start putting interesting things very very far out that's only ever going to appeal to very dedicated players i suppose perhaps that's the intention perhaps you don't want filthy casuals going more than you know 500 light years away from earth but it it seems a shame and and one way to do that would be something along the lines of a a moving space platform that can make large jumps on a schedule essentially a bus and you park up and then you'll get your spaceship out again at the other end you know whatever i don't know i don't know Lots, lots of there was lots sorts of things I don't remember half of it. You can Google for the uh, the roadmap of of what they're doing. I think they're not doing the big yearly release again, like you know the the horizons okay. pass. I don't know. I'm not sure what the plan is. I I don't know. I probably ought to. We'd see. We need researchers. We do. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so yes, that was that was good fun. Um, I enjoyed that. Still, yeah, still relatively optimistic about the medium term okay. of my involvement in there. Um, yeah, over to you. Did you see this week that uh, Visceral Games got shut down? Yes, probably. Who are Visceral? What do they do? They made What's Dead, the best game? Dead Space. Dead Space. Oh, they were, they were I've pl- never played it, but highly regarded. Yeah, yeah. You know. They're currently working on a Star Wars game, which looks very promising, oh. which was a single-player, um, I think Uncharted, but uh, um, Star Wars. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's I not that anymore. That. Oh, right, okay. No, yeah. Uh, what they've done is they've shut down the studio because... Yeah. They made Dead Space 3, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, stupid numbers here. Yeah. Uh, which uh, cost like $60 million to make and sold 4 million copies, and it wasn't enough to pay for it. $16 million. 60. 60. Yeah, 60 and they million. sold 4 million copies of a game, uh, and it wasn't enough to pay for it. Hmm, okay. Which does... Well, I'm just doing the maths in my head. You need $15 a go to break even, no? No, four million it, copies, sixty million. It needed more than four million. It needed six or eight million oh. to break even. But anyway, it strikes me that uh, the entirety of the games industry is broken and needs to burn down and be built up again from scratch. Um. Because at the moment, people are making <laughs> that's a bit of a leap. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Citation so, needed. Yeah. Um, because at the moment, companies seem to be making games and they're not having any concern over whether or not they're going to make any money. And what it, from the outside, it looks like this industry has really gone stupid. Is it the whole free-to-play thing has well, just destroyed every every kind of mark, mark business model? Well, that's what that Star Wars game We can only into. make games that, that... Our games will only be successful if we give them away for nothing. Oh. That Star Wars game is turning into a games-as-service Thing, which means lots and lots and lots of microtransactions yep. and a persistently characters online type thing, I guess. Lock boxes. Yeah, and yeah. the ability to keep getting money out of it. Now, I have this weird opinion. I don't know how many of our viewers and listeners would agree. Mm. I don't want to spend hundreds of hours in most games. Um, I have a life. I have things to do. Yeah, I'm There's finding Star that. Trek on TV now. <laughs> well, I play a lot of games still, but yeah, I don't. I'm not, I, quite, I don't play one game like you know, seven, 20 hours a week anymore. No. I like, and this is a dying breed that apparently doesn't make enough money. Yeah, 
a 12-hour experience that at the end of it I could turn around and say, done that, mm. and play something else. I suppose... And I don't mind paying uh, money for it. A devil's advocate might invite you to go and just watch films and give up gaming. Because films are universally two hours long. You could watch like oh, six. Oh, they are not. Watch six they films. are not. Well, the, right. the latest Blade Runner is something like three <laughs> hours long. Yeah, you say three hours long in the context of a film and as if it's a terribly long experience. It three, is. Three hours, that's, all right, so that's what? Four, you sit for a Hobbit film. That's four computer games of the, of the type you're, you're inviting us to, to, to go for. The point being is that maybe the niche that you're looking for is already filled by, by non-interactive experiences like, like cinema. Like yeah, if films. I get really bored by films, films are so... <laughs> you just sit there and watch them and your brain switches off and it's not very... Uh, games have broken me. I find it really hard to watch films now. So, yeah. So is this what all these memes I've seen going around Twitter about everyone, you know, single-player games are dead or yeah. whatever? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because apparently... I don't get the idea. Why not say this game is going to take 12 hours, we have this budget, mm-hmm. we're going to make a game which does that in this budget and then make everything else fit that, rather than we're going to do everything and be the best thing ever and we're going to do it and spend lots of money on it and, oh dear, we've got to sell 100, 000, 100 million copies of this but, oh, if we're going <clears> to <throat> make our money back. I think it might just... a lot of the, I think a lot of it is just nat- Darwinian natural selection in game development. There are, there are various ways to make games, various business models, ranging from one bloke in his spare time doing some indie darling thing that really goes viral, which probably costs him, well, nothing really. You get Unity for free, you get whatever. Well, it's not quite <clears> that simple. Well, <clears throat> the point being is that you certainly would be able to crack out a, re- a relatively quirky and enjoyable indie classic that yeah. would take you about five to six hours to complete for much less than one million dollars i would imagine well, probably got, a couple of couple of thousand well, dollars for it, tools and development yeah, assume time. it takes a year to do and you've got to pay your uh, well, salary assuming, for a year and... okay if you go if you're talking profession strictly professional then not not people doing it as hobby mods and whatever you, you yeah okay so a yearly salary which is not a million dollars a year, I don't think, no, generally. No, you've also got to possibly pay for an office if there's more than one of you. If you're doing it at home, in your home study, yeah. whatever, yeah. But anyway, yeah. The but point, point being... The point being that a massive AAA game now has 100 people working on it Well, that's more. if you sit down and say, I am going to make a massive AAA game. and Which is what they're doing, and they, no one's making... None of the single-player games this year have made any money. They've all failed. Sends, Mass Effect that failed. That sends quite a message. Yeah, Mass Effect is a victim of a massively, ah, see what I did there, massively in, inflated sense of expectation. Go, oh no, the next Mass Effect game. You know, after having seen what Mass Effect, Mass Effect One was a relatively you know, medium key project. I imagine yeah. no one expected well, it to go super duper. It was it yeah. was largely pitched as a kind of you know Dragon Age, Baldur's Gate in space type thing, and off they went. But, well, Mass Effect 3 but suddenly came it became this immense behemoth thing, and then four. suddenly everyone's huge... I mean four, not three. What? Mass Effect Andromeda, yeah, Andromeda. is the fourth one. Yes. yes. Yeah, that came out. Where do we go from here? It's got to be bigger, it's got to be better. It doesn't. And it suddenly... just had to be more of the same. Everyone would have been happy with more of the same. It's the it's the everything must grow all the time forever thing, no. isn't it? You make something good, you keep making something that's good. Suits. You don't need to make something better. Suits looked at the figures from Mass Effects 2 and 3 and drew a straight line and thought, right, that's the fourth Here's one. Here's an unpopular thought. Take Call of Duty. Uh, please. They don't try and make something better each year, and that has been the most successful game up until a point. And yeah, yeah, but it's still a vast undertaking, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's still, still a massive an enormous undertaking. thing. But it doesn't try and be something new and different each time. So what? So what, how have we got to this position then? What what drives that? Why are we looking to make big 
infinite grindy multiplayer deathmatch games because they somehow are proven because you, to make lots and lots of money. Because you can make more money. Because you, you still charge an entry fee to get in, so you've still got your full box price. Mm-hmm. Then you've got your uh, um, uh, season pass, which yeah. is for your levels. Yeah. And then you microtransaction on top of that to get all the gear, gear and, all the, and the, the skins and all yeah. the rest of it, yeah. So games as platforms for further upsell is the, the yeah. way, yeah, 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 and 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 you can't really. Well, you can try. You see, you see, even in single player games, you see this like extra special chapters you get for pre-ordering well, in, exclusive content. In the Dead Space example, Dead Space Three had microtransactions to be able to get in-game items. Yeah, single player game. And people are rightly dismissive or derisive of, of microtransactions in a single-player game. You see all that fuss around Shadow of War. People have yeah. worked out a way of not, not having to bother doing any of that. You know what? If I'm doing it on PC, that's always going to be the case. Mm. So there's not really you can't really sell microtransactions in a single-player game. And I think they, the, the, the suits, them, they have, have, have identified this. They've, worked, they've, they've noticed that. So it just doesn't pay as much to make a single-player yeah. game. It's sad because we, we've lost the entirety of the middle tier developers, they all got bought up or went bankrupt. Well, do, do, and does, most of them now does are, the low tier not percolate up? Not really, because the low tier is all indies. Yeah, but do, not, do some of them not get very successful? And start oh, some are getting bigger. Up? You look at say Bithol or people mm. who who annoyingly successful. Or do they just immediately end up getting swallowed by AAA studios? Well, the other example, of course, is No Man's Sky. Mm. They were a small indie, couple of people team, and then Sony gets involved and they start to look like a bigger thing than they are, then everyone's disappointed. The massive hype built up around yeah. it. Because, yeah, suddenly it was everyone was expecting Another much example, more than it was ever going to be. Hellblade. Uh, done by the studio who did uh, um, Thingy, um, the version of Monkey. Odyssey to the West. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ninja Theory? Ninja Theory. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they also did um, a really fantastic PS3 game whose name escapes me and other things. But they just released a very shortish, basically the game I'm describing, hmm. which is a single-player uh, plot-based thing about a, um, a Celtic, I think she's a Celtic lady, who has various mental issues and is um, having a really bad day. Right. And yeah, you know, it's got monsters and hitting stuff with swords and things. It sounds relatively meaty, though, narratively speaking. Yeah, and and it's not that long, hmm. but and it did cost that much money, but it uh, looks good and uh, made them money. Mm. But there's just not enough for that, and everything's disappeared. And I don't like the way everyone's giving up on big AAA single player games because yeah, I used to like them. This stuff comes and goes. I don't have time to play. I I'm looking at Destiny two and thinking I should be playing that, and then thinking. Yeah, but I played Destiny 1 and there wasn't an awful lot of game in there. <laughs> it's the game loop, isn't it? If the basic action... That's why I'm playing Warframe, you know, which is, which is guilty of a lot of the sins you describe. It's very grindy, it does a lot of cash shoppery, but the basic moment-to-moment gameplay and the look and the feel and the aesthetics are all sufficiently pleasing to me that I'm continuing to play. I've even given them some money. Yeah, but you can only really play one of those games at a time, can't you? I am, yeah. yeah. And eventually I will get bored of it and I'll go away and I'll, I'll drop it and I'll pick something else up. Yeah. But, you know, I want to play Battlefield... Uh, Star Wars Battlefield 2 is single player but there's not a lot of the single player and the rest of it is just multiplayer it's just a tutorial to get you ready to go on the yeah so like uh, I never played the first one because there wasn't anything for me and it just seems like you know they're saying it's not making money but they're not putting stuff in that people want. Not everyone has time to play multiplayer games what you should do is go and dig out a copy of Jedi Knight Dark Forces whatever 
That, 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 that golden era in which you are lamenting the loss of, I'm lamenting it hasn't the gone away. No, it is all still there. It's all still there. He- head yourself over to GOG.com or, yeah. or similar old Abandonware type game companies and yeah, grab yourself a modern fixed copy of that and just relive the stuff. Because that's, that's, this is the thing I think that a lot of gaming, the gaming industry has trouble with is that when a new game is released, all the other old games are still there. No that one's is... taking them. It's not like food. You know, games well, don't rot and go out of date that, and get that, put that's, in landfill. That's why everyone's remastering everything at the moment. Well, you they realise they can put remakes, a little bit of work on and uh, they can spruce up the graphics yeah. a bit and resell it. Yeah, yeah. Get your, start from the scratch with Halo again or something, you know. I mean, pick, out, pick out those experiences that you enjoyed in the past or the experiences... From the past that other people remember fondly. Yeah. You well, work on rec- recommendation for abandonware and 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 old classics, and you know examine and explore why your friends have got those fantastic memories of things you'd never heard of. Try them for yourself. There's no need to just keep following the new, the shiny, all the way through because, as you say, it's all going to a terrible place, and a lot of it's rubbish. It's all doomed. It's all doomed. Burn it all down. Start again. But yeah, all the old stuff's still there. Check down all the game developers. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, their, their purpose is served. We've we've got like you know a, a, a fine tradition of single player Star Wars games yeah. that are all there now, and you can. And just Elite play Dangerous works fine, so that's fine. We got a modern Elite. Yeah, that's all we there'll need. There'll be exceptions. There'll be outliers, and those will be the ones that actually capture people's imaginations and that people go for. You know, there's sudden uh, unexpected hits out of nowhere. That that player unknown battlegrounds thing i've never played it myself but it's terribly popular it's that, that, that's not the that's, sta- sta- that's not the standard one a year you know ea classic is it no but that, 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 that was a that... small indie who uh, sells an awful lot of microtransactions yeah and uh has a game which is more popular than breathing well there you go it's, it, it, we can't know, I suppose, what the next cool thing will be, but a lot of these AAA companies are trying to anticipate because they believe they're some kind of you know industry analysts or whatever, and they'll yeah they'll generally play it quite safe. Yeah. They'll extrapolate on the things that have been successful in the past, but a bit more of. Anyway, do you know what my prediction is? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up. My prediction of what gaming is going to be in three years' time. Mm. One of the big AAA studios is going to discover narrative gaming and uh, act like it's their idea. These things come in phases. RTSs went away and came back. Space games Badly. are there now and come back. Ish. <laughs> oh, I had a look to see what uh, Star Citizen, what state oh. it's now on. Oh, yes. I looked at the website. It's very confusing. doesn't seem to be a game there. I might actually have to go as far as download it. I think, I think, yeah, I'm going to set that as homework. I think we need a, an, an, an investigative reportage because you're one of the few people who can actually go and have a look at the thing. Apparently there's three modules. I have access to two of them, and I didn't say which. Are you one of these Evokai people? There's like some special elite beta tester core no, that um, get to see it all first. No, uh, I'm, I'm just somebody who's pay. paid a tiny bit of money. <laughs> I'm not somebody who's paid all the money. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, give it a go. I'd be interested to see thing is despite, it, despite oh the single player of, version of that's been pushed back yeah 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 because no one cares about single player because you can't upsell vanity yeah. and, and power on that ah terrible terrible, terrible. Times. all finished give up gaming go hiking go hiking do modeling yeah paint minis paint miniatures and go hiking that's, yeah. that's, that's our advice <laughs> 
So um, with that, you better do your spiel. Uh, you can go along to HannahMurdoTime.com, but why bother? Because it's just about games. Where you can see all of our re- uh, previous podcasts about games. Uh, For now. Sorry about that. You can go along to YouTube where you can catch uh, the video version of this and our previous episodes and also the Minecraft thing, which is so tantalisingly not finishing. I did a lot more work this afternoon. I, oh. think, I, think, we're, I think we are go for ignition on the, the 1 billion per tick RF device. You know that's not working first time. <laughs> <laughs> How are the dragons? Still alive. Excellent. Uh, um, yes, and you could also there's uh, his uh, hiking videos, yeah. which are strangely uh, compelling. And uh, the current series you're doing is you walking from was it Minehead to Fear and Loathing in North uh, Devon to yeah. where was it you went from to uh, Westwood Ho Westwood Ho, which is I I've, one of these days I'm really going to look and find <laughs> out why the hell they named that after a book. I don't know, and I've never bothered researching anyone. it. I've got to go back there to start the next leg, and maybe I'll ask. <laughs> it's one of those curious things. How do you have a t- uh, town name with an exclamation mark? <laughs> Just that good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, I liked the map in the first episode. <laughs> I, I really appreciated the map. <laughs> yeah, and join us next time for more of the same. See you later. Goodbye.